Thanks for checking out this sermon from Christ the King in Carrollton, Georgia, where our goal is to glorify God by making, training, and sending disciples to engage our neighbors and the nations with the gospel of Jesus. If you want to learn more about us, you can find us online at ctkcarrollton.com, or better yet, join us on a Sunday in Carrollton. Everybody feeling good uh, about that extra hour sleep? Um, children, I'm praying for you. Um, they don't. They don't quite get. It feels unchanged. Hey, this morning we begin a series uh, through the book of Habakkuk, uh, a series that we are calling "Walking in Faith in the Face of Suffering." Common theme that we observe as we work our way. Faith, suffering. A title that serves to trace the problem of a chapter prophet whose name is found at its beginning. In the southern kingdom of Judah, while uh, or during a difficult time for the people of God, especially those who continue to love him. Habakkuk has served as a mouthpiece reasons of great prosperity among his people. This, however, is their current experience. In fact, the best way that we could describe this season for these people is one of spiritual decay. Habakkuk surveys the landscape and is frustrated. Right? For those who, who love the law of the Lord, there is incredible struggle. While the wicked seem destined for limitless, for boundless prosperity. Let's kind of survey the chapters as a whole as we kind of begin this, this four-week series through. In Habakkuk 1, we find Habakkuk taking this frustration to God, followed by God's response to Habakkuk's complaint. Now, it's at this point that the typical God-prophet relationship is interrupted. Again, as a prophet of the Lord, there is this expectation that Habakkuk would take his complaint to God, that God would respond, and then Habakkuk would relay the message of God to his desired audience. Habakkuk, however, is unique in that he is the audience. This is a message from God for a frustrated prophet. Only as we see the response of God, we not ease the prophet's concern, but in fact, quite the opposite takes place. Habakkuk takes his frustrations to the Lord, and the Lord, as opposed to responding in a manner that would ease his, ease his anger, at all what happens. Response to the word of God, Habakkuk's issue shifts focus. It shifts its focus from the sins of its people to the method that God addressed their sins. Specifically, God's the Babylonian instruments of judgment. This is all contained here in chapter 1. In chapter 2, God promises to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. Interestingly enough, this is the same mission that sets himself toward accomplishing all the way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. 
right? God creates humanity in his image and he desires to fill the earth with a knowledge of his glory by way of humanity's representing him in his creation. Sin, of course, derails this, at least from our earthly perspective. God, however, calls in Habakkuk chapter 2, the righteous, to continue walk by faith amid suffering, amid difficulty, in spite of hardship. Walk by faith. In Habakkuk chapter 2. The book concludes... Chapter 3, with one of, if not the most compelling and inspiring confessions of commitment to joyful worship of God found in the Bible. A passage introduced a few weeks ago as we found ourselves in the seven signs of Jesus recorded in John's gospel. Though the fig tree... Produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I joy God of my salvation. What's the story of Habakkuk? The story of of Habakkuk is God judging wickedness among his people, promising to judge the evil of their enemies while molding a heart of worship in spite of suffering among those who continue to trust in and look toward him. Habakkuk's story is a story that you and I can relate with. It's a story that we can relate to as we see such parallel between We find a story that encourages our God use wicked people How can God judge wickedness and evil by way of a wicked and evil people? And how does all of this? Produce, as we observe in this final chapter, a heart of confidence, joyful worship in the Lord, in spite of provisional. From a book perspective, Habakkuk teaches us a very important and a very profound point that though violence persists, God will not passively accept injustice. Consider our own world, right? It's observable between Habakkuk's context and our own. We look around and we observe violence. Yet, as God's people can move forward in confidence that God does not passively accept injustice. He does not passively accept evil, but is moving towards a glorious day. People of God fully. Till then, again, from a book perspective, where are we going and what are we to learn? And we learn what it looks like to walk by faith. And we learn what it looks like in the face of suffering, in the face of injustice, in the face of evil, in our world, what it looks like to walk by faith in the promise of God for our salvation. 
faith that we walk in by his strength and the joy that he provides. As we turn our towards one, see God's desiring submission, right? His work to judge wickedness for the sake of the advance of righteousness even when this results in suffering. And so think about what we're doing here, okay? We're laying a foundation for where we're going over the next few weeks. We're laying a foundation for what we observe through the book of Habakkuk as a whole. That's what we just saw. Now we're turning our attention toward chapter one. What will we see? We lean. God desires submission. Desires submission to his Judge wickedness for the sake of the advance of righteousness, even when this results in suffering. Newsflash. Our God is holy. Newsflash. Our God is These are great. And while we may not always trust in them, what an incredibly practical message for you and I. I mean, what an incredibly applicable message for I don't know where you are all in this room this morning. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the hardships that you are familiar with. I don't know the suffering that you find yourself subject to in this season. But I can say this, because this is the story of Habakkuk, and it's the story of the redemptive narrative. And that is that God is working his divine plan to bring us into a of him and his sufficiency to satisfy. Even when things are hard, even times are trying, we can God, we can trust his plan and we can trust his purposes. Two observations from Habakkuk chapter one, we're going to unpack over together this morning. Number one, we see in verses one through four, burden for a broken world. We notice uh, the burden of a broken world. What does it look like for the people of God to survey the landscape of human existence and the condition of our culture and to respond rightly? Get a glimpse of that as we come to Habakkuk 1. What a right response to wickedness in our world. Look, burden. That's number one. Number two. God's promise to address evil in Habakkuk's second response. Again, this is the uniqueness of Habakkuk. This is the uniqueness of this minor prophet tucked away here at the the tail end of the Old Testament. We observe a, a dialogue between God's prophet and God. That's unique. That's That's different. Observation number one, the burden of a broken world. We see this in the first four verses. Habakkuk is feeling the weight of what he sees in the world. He's feeling the weight of what he observes, looks out across the landscape of his community, of his city, the landscape of God's people. The book begins by acknowledging and even emphasizing Verse 1, the oracle the prophet saw. Well, what does that mean? That language is a bit unfamiliar for, for you, and I don't know how often you speak in terms of oracles. I don't speak in terms of oracles very often. So what does that mean? It means simply this, that, that Habakkuk is burdened by what he sees. 
Interestingly enough, if Habakkuk believes himself to be burdened here in chapter 1, increasingly more burdened as the plan of God is unfolded. Verse 2. O Lord, Habakkuk says, long shall I cry for help, will not hear. Violence, and you will. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly and violence are like ever before me. Strife and contention are just arising up all around me. So the law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. Justice, what justice? This is Habakkuk's complaint. For the wicked surround the righteous so that justice goes forth perverted. What's going on among the of God that has Habakkuk in such a state that has Habakkuk so burdened over what he well well here's what's aura word is being violence among is being practiced and corrupt leadership is doing nothing to address these issues instead they seem to be excusing it False teachers among God's people are are propagating this cycle of injustice, teaching that God would for the message of the false prophets of Habakkuk's day is this. Hey, God is is not judging sin, but God is overlooking sin, right? He, at least in way of his, his passive presence, okay with the way things are currently Moving forward, God is electing not to judge unrighteousness. If Habakkuk's message is one of repentance, false prophets among the God is one of extravagance. If Habakkuk's message is a call to feed on the word of God, desiring inward transformation and appropriate external action, then these false teachers are encouraging the feeding of the flock with corrupt desire. Habakkuk is around him. Right? He's, he's, he's feeling the weight of observable sin among the response by those who are intended to lead the people of the Lord, to point them towards his righteous statutes and his good instruction, point the satisfaction that is in him as opposed to things of the world that so oftentimes for such a short period of time satisfaction is directed at God. And the words are powerful. What does he say? God, you do not hear. Obviously, like you you can't be. You can't be hearing the cries of your prophet. You cannot be hearing my cries. God, you don't save You seem to be overlooking all that is wrong among your people. Your law is clearly powerless. And justice is in fact a perversion. 
Habakkuk's experience reminds us that a life of faith is oftentimes a life of struggle. Did you know that? Have you experienced that? Well, if you've been following Jesus for more than like five minutes, of course you know that. Right? That the life of faith is a, a life of struggle. It would be a mistake to believe that this is not the case. Right? If you are exploring the faith, know someone exploring the faith, it's important that you understand this, that you explain this. That a life of faith is oftentimes a life of struggle. If you're a new Christian, I know this morning that suffering often comes with our faith. After identify ourselves with a guy who took on himself a tremendous amount of pain. Consequently, it would it would make sense that suffering would be a part of our experience as well. And as we consider upon our time in the signs recorded in John's gospel, we know that they are purposeful, right? That suffering within a life of faith teaches us more of, of our incredible need and God's incredible generosity, his kindness, and his faithfulness to sustain his people and provide them with satisfaction. While earthly circumstance would seem to rise up against any possibility of this being understood. For older saints, right? The expectation is not, man, we have, we have paid our dues, <laughs> right? We've paid our dues and now we, we simply coast through the finish line. Surely after all of our years of, of hardship and contending for the faith, God will allow us, he will permit to cruise on through this last little bit. This is a fallacy. This is a lie. This is not what the life of faith looks like. There's a burden that comes along for the people of God living in a world that is not our own. Desiring those who, who prefer and submission to our King Jesus to, to love his word. And to live lives that are so transformed by it. There is struggle within the life of faith. Is there not? You can say yes. There is struggle within the life of faith. Yes? Yes. Amen. Burden of the sin that we witness in the world. Sin that we struggle with. Questions like Habakkuk's, God, are you there? God, are you good? Are you holy? Are you powerful? Man, because if you are there, and if you are good, and if you are powerful, how about a bit more insight into what you're doing? Habakkuk is in process of, amid increasing wickedness in the land, succumbing to growing distrust of God and his good rule. The question that we begin asking ourselves at this point as we see how practical even these first few verses and experiences of Habakkuk are. Have you ever experienced this as well? Right? Have, have you ever found yourself in 
similar place, questioning things that you knew so well in the past to be true, or maybe beginning to believe certain things that you know to be untrue. This is where Habakkuk is. Perhaps this is where you are. Witness to prospering wickedness alongside the suffering of the people of God. And you ask yourself, why is the Lord so slow to work? Why is the Lord so slow to work? The message of Habakkuk is this, take heart because God is working in his time and he's working in his way. God provides Habakkuk with exactly what he needs. God provides you and I with exactly what we need as we wrestle with these truths. Insight in verses 5 through 11 into God's work. Thus we transition. Our second observation, God promises to address evil, followed by Habakkuk's response, which sets us on a trajectory for a major transformation within the life of this prophet. Perhaps it seems as though God is silent. Habakkuk 1.5 says, the the control of God over his orchestration, a divine plan. Look with me there, Habakkuk 1 verse 5. God, in response to Habakkuk's complaint, says the following, and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I, God, doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation. To Arch through the breadth of the earth, these dwellings not their own. A complaint is that God has nothing to address the grand world of his people. That is the people. Habakkuk's complaint begins this way. I'm looking out among your people and I am observing spiritual decay. I'm observing wickedness. And violence being practiced by your people. This is the complaint of Habakkuk. There is this righteous remnant that continued to look to the Lord and trust in the Lord and cry out to the Lord and love his word. And all of those engaged in these other activities seem to be prospering. Only it is very shift. And it's going to do so around this point. God responds in verse 5, I'm doing something that is difficult for you to grasp. I am raising up bitter people to march through your land and to take. And then he describes these people. And to say that it's intense would be a colossal understatement. Say, he says, this is a, this is a hasty people. He's ruthless nation, greedy and dreaded. 
This is a people that is, that is ruthless. And as a result, they are feared by people. This is a group that mounts themselves upon horses, fierce as wolves, elegant as eagles that, that swoop down to devour. Be not confused. This is a people that come for violence. feel encouraged yet. <laughs> These people take up captives like sand. There's no consideration of foreign kings. Instead, they laugh at the fortresses erected to keep peoples like them out. They sweep through the land like the wind. Guilty men, guilty men whose might is their God. Here God teaches of his commitment to accomplish, but even if that includes our participation in certain that. This point that drives Habakkuk's disbelief and shapes his second complaint. Because these are the people coming for Judah. God's not blind to the people. God is not deaf to the cries of his prophet, but he is to bring about a judgment against sin. A people who have violence towards one another now to experience violence against them by way of the and the divine hand of the Lord. It's all almost too much to bear, <laughs> right? I think this is what God is talking about when he says, I'm doing something that, that is outside of of your mind's ability to comprehend. This is going to produce within you, Habakkuk, wrestling. This is going to drag to the surface a degree of tension. As Habakkuk hears the words of the Lord, his complaint undergoes a shift. Longer, the evil, but God's use this justice takes center stage. And so do we... And the transition, it begins, God, why such wickedness among your people and no judgment from you? The righteous are left grasp, crying out, feeling unheard. God says, no, I hear you. I hear you. And here Habakkuk says, wait a second, let's talk about this second issue for a moment, <laughs> right? We forget all about the wickedness of the people of God, and it shifts entirely towards God's work to judge their wickedness at the hands of the Babylonians. And he begins by speaking of these attributes of God. 
Look with verse 12. Habakkuk says, are you not from everlasting? Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. Verse 13. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors? Why do you idly remain silent when the wicked swallows up just then he the world can the Babylonians become in your hands instruments of divine judgment, justice. They're more wicked than we are. How are you going to use a people more wicked than your people to judge the wickedness? Verse 14. You make mankind like of the sea, like crawling things. Ruler brings the, all of them up with a gathers the voices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his offerings to for by them he food is rich on emptying his net and, and mercifying nation for all of plaint that highlights his inability to, to fully understand or comprehend God's work. God, what are you doing? We don't understand why you work this way or how Habakkuk lodges the second complaint. And then he says this as we transition into. He says, here's my complaint. And I'm going to, I'm going to take my stand at my watch post. I'm going to take my watch post and I'm going to station myself. And I'm going to. Me. And how you will concerning my complaint. I feel like I've made a really solid case. And I'm just going to stand here. <laughs> okay? And I would imagine the posture looks something like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand right here. Right? And I'm just going to wait. I feel like I've made a solid argument. I'm not sure what you're going to do with this one. So let me just let me take take stand and let me just let me just see what you will have to say because this is going to be interesting. The way in which you you balance these attributes, your attributes, with your work through the people to accomplish your purpose. This fits together, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take and right here, and I'm going to look out, and I'm going to wait. Part one of Habakkuk ends 
with the prophet presenting with a series of for committing prophet questions God and yet God remains committed. This is not the first time that we would see God's people questioning his methods for judging evil. This isn't the first time that God would magnify his goodness as he brings those whom he loves back to himself in Christ. We see a a faithful son who takes his place, not upon a tower waiting for an explanation from God of the actions that are to transpire. But instead, a, a faithful son who takes his place on a cross. All right, a, a cross that, that ought to have been reserved for us. He dies in our place. He dies in our place and he feels the agonizing weight of the full judgment of God against sin. As we consider Habakkuk chapter 1, the call is, I think, towards this, this, this posture of gratitude. Gratitude towards God. Gratitude that his ways are, are higher than our ways. As we seek contentment. As we will see as we continue through this series in Habakkuk. Not just contentment, but, but joyful worship in God in spite of what we initially feel. This past week, um, like many of you, um, I have been, uh, we've been listening through Kanye's new album. Anybody heard Kanye's new album? Of course you have. Like, come on. If you've seen it on Facebook, you've seen people talking about it, you're interested perhaps. Um, it's really great. Um, and Judah and I have been listening to it uh, in the car. And um, if you're unfamiliar, take a few notes and you can listen to it on the way to lunch this afternoon. And like this story will make more sense. Um, but there's a song uh, called Closed on Sunday. Okay, that that's Judah's favorite song right now. Um, and it's about Chick-fil-A being, <laughs> being closed on Sunday. It's not the, the whole like that's not the whole content of the song, but that's that's like a big a big piece. But um, we we're singing this song. He's learning the words to it, and we're like singing it in the car. And um, towards like the last third, um, there are just these these beautiful truths like about God and the way that He works that. Like so interestingly enough, like who would have ever imagined like having this conversation are being presented by Kanye West. <laughs> okay, right? Like like how beautiful like the way that God works. Um, and so we're singing along with Kanye and we're like, we're, we're singing these truths and I'm teaching Judah. This is what I'm teaching Judah to do. Okay, so, and you're familiar with this, like kind of. Like we're not a super talkative church, like at least not yet, but I would love to see us kind of begin to work our, our way there. Um, so, so we're saying these truths and we're singing them and in between, between truths, like we're, we're like, and like, yes, like, yes, like, yes, we're every, he's saying this and then we're responding like, yes, this is true. And there's purpose in it. And it's I have my wife, Courtney, crazy when I'm not in the car and Judah does it and then tells her like, oh, and dad 
do this, right? So he just yells at the top of his yes. But it's so that we would learn to, so that Judah would learn and that I would continue to learn, looks like to affirm no matter what circumstances, right? No matter what situations in life have to say, no matter what hardship or suffering would have to say, right? This is kind of what it, what it looks like, right? Like, okay, like life is difficult. Life is hard. Life is challenging. Suffering is real. There are people in this room who are uniquely familiar with suffering in this particular season. The encouragement that we are drawn to through Habakkuk is this confidence in the purposes of God and his continued strength in spite of what our suffering might say. Right? To, to, to teach Judah as we sing Kanye, right? Like, yes, these things are true. Like, today might have been challenging. We didn't have a great day at preschool. That's okay. This is still true. Right? Like, things haven't gone exactly the way that we wanted and exactly the way we expected. That's okay. This is still true. And they all center on God, his attributes, and the way in which he works. We're being drawn through Habakkuk towards this particular practice. That's why Habakkuk can go. That's how God so graciously brings Habakkuk from from this posture. Are you ready for this? Right? Okay, like I'm waiting. And Habakkuk chapter 1, 2, I worship you. In Habakkuk chapter 3. Like I'm waiting, right, to whatever this looks like. Like you do not have to explain yourself. You are God and I am not. And so whatever the landscape around me looks like, you, God, I joyfully worship. How in the world are we going to get there? Well, there's going to be some big things that happen in chapter 2. In order for that to happen, there has to be. God is desired to his work. Right? Judge with the sake of the advance of righteousness, even when. Yes? Yes. God is. Yes? While we may not always understand them, we can trust in them, yes? Are you trusting God? Are you, are you trusting God in season of suffering? In anticipation of hardship, do you continue to look to and trust in our holy God to accomplish his perfect plan? A plan for his glory and the good of his people, even if we can't see all of that yet. As we come to the table this morning, let us corporately, individually, ask the spirit of God to produce this within us. To give us this passion and to give us this desire. We look to Jesus and we observe God's ability to work 
through suffering to bring about his glory for the good of his people. Let us have faith and let us have confidence in this reality. Understanding that God judges sin. God judges wickedness. But there is rescue from judgment found in Jesus. God judges sin. God judges wickedness. Oh, but there is rescue for sinners found in Jesus. Let's cling to these truths this morning, asking God to create this understanding together. Father, thank you for your patience and for your commitment to work. Thank you that amid, amid suffering, you are faithful to preserve people, that you are committed to the transformation our perspectives, understanding that the life of faith is so oftentimes a life of hardship. But God, you are good and you have judged sin and you are judging sin and you will judge sin. And we come to the table this morning confident that there is a day secure for us, your people, to gather together with you, our King, in a place that is perfect. In a place that is, that is absent from all of the things that have driven Habakkuk to express this first complaint to you. Create within us a, a heart that desires to trust you in seasons of suffering. Anticipating seasons of suffering. Help us to look to and trust in you, our God, who accomplishes his perfect plan for his glory and our good. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.